Welcome to a public service announcement edition of the Cloud Architects podcast. I'm Nicholas Blank. I'm here with my co-host, Chris Gusen. Hello. And we have the subject of our PSA, Greg Taylor. Morning. Thank you. <laughs> you know, that not... is probably... <laughs> Go on. I was going to say, that's not Greg from Greg Taylor from Greg's Mowing. That's uh, Greg Taylor from yes. Microsoft. Well, yes. I, I'm a multi-purpose you know, I can do both. <laughs> so. I, I feel with, with the niceness that you are, are presenting, that you're taking away from the, the, the very gravitas of the situation that we're facing, that uh, basic auth is going to be switched off. And before you, you turn that dial or switch to the next podcast, which is much nicer than this one, not that there should be any, we, we want to point out that this is a... a uh, a very clear and present situation that a lot of our customers are facing. There seems to be ambiguity that Microsoft is really, 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 really doing it this time around. So let me open up with that question. Greg, are you really actually really going to switch off basic auth? Uh, yes, we are. This time we really mean it, which, um, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I've said that to a few customers recently, right? And, uh, and it always makes them chuckle as well, because clearly this has not been... Uh, an easy path, right? Um, I, uh, funnily enough, I when I when I started on this um, particular uh, program three years ago, which is when we started September 2019, we announced we were going to turn off Basic Auth in a year, and six months later, we realised that was impossible because nobody had done anything. Yes. But when I uh, when I um, uh, sort of looked at some internal, you know, docs around deprecating things, it was a very simple process. I looked and it said it said announce you're going to stop something customers will stop using it and then you can turn it off and it was just three steps and i thought well that's right. pretty straightforward turns right. out it's a little bit harder than that but wow. yeah this time <laughs> just seriously so we are going to start turning off basic auth in exchange online for a number of protocols starting in less than a month from when we're doing this recording so the beginning of october 2022 it's going to start getting pretty real for some customers. So I think, and I think that's, so one, I think it's, it's great that we can kind of um, sort of echo or vocalize or uh, amplify probably is the right word, amplify the message, right? Because we've all obviously been following this um, probably since 2019 when you first started working on it. Probably. Um, and I'm sure we've, you know, we've, we've had customers uh, sort of talk to us about this probably since 2019 when you first started working on it. Um, but I, yeah, I think, I think we're at this, the, the sort of point now where, um, you know, the fence sitting potentially, or sort of folks who aren't necessarily clear about exactly what's happening, kind of really mm. need to get themselves in, in, you know, going. And, um, do you, do you guys have some sort of, uh, does Microsoft have some sort of telemetry data? I mean, do you know what the extent is of, of folks oh, who yeah. are still using legacy? I mean, is it, is it like shockingly high or is it just, we're doing our due diligence high? Um, uh, absolutely, I, I have telemetry. So um, we started capturing data 18 months ago on a per tenant basis, per protocol, per tenant basis. I know every 30 minutes which tenants in the last 30 minutes have used which protocol with basic auth across all of our tenants. Trust me, that is a lot of data, right? Mm. Patterns also are, are sure as well. What we learned as well is, is enormously interesting. I know how many people are still using basic auth. I'm not going to give you the numbers, mm -hmm. but let me just tell you that 
you know, I did a, a similar call with some internal Microsoft folks yesterday, and I asked them to guess how many people they thought were still using basic auth, and they were woefully uh, wrong in terms of, oh, wow. you know, there's a lot of people still using it. So, so listen, let me first say as well, having the opportunity to come and talk a bit about it, you and I might be bored about it, right? Or some customers or people who are listening to this might be like, oh my God, that whole basic auth thing again. But let me tell you, there are many, many customers who do, do not seem to know this is coming and are mm -hmm. going to be caught by surprise. So anything we can do here to sort of help customers when email stops working, because that's what is going to happen. Email mm -hmm. calendar and apps and scripts, those things are just going to stop working mm -hmm. in about a month or so. Uh, anything we can do to help them would be great. Point them at this, tell them what to do. But the the data we've gathered is fascinating because it tells me things like, you know, Tuesday's our busiest day of the week. Um, you, you know, more you can you can tell where the weekends are by looking at the data and the telemetry. Some right. people, I'm going to tell you this, some people don't sync their mobile phones at the weekend. They actually hmm. turn off syncing email at the weekends. I mean, isn't that crazy? That's crazy. So there are, there are dips in active sync traffic at the weekends. Um, Pop and IMAP, heavily in use still. Wow. And 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 in certain segments, like kind of, you know, the educational sector, um, uh, SMB, small, medium business type customers, lots of Pop and IMAP. Yeah. I've used Pop for 30 years. Why should I change now? Yeah. Well, because Outlook, if... If you're using Outlook as your client, doesn't support OAuth with POP3 or IMAP4. Mm. So you can't use Outlook anymore if you're mm. using POP and IMAP and you're using Outlook. So anyway, all of this kind of stuff. It's an interesting, that's an interesting point though, because, you know, if, if you think about it, like why would you still be using POP or IMAP, right? Because <laughs> any even somewhat modern device these days because is going to have a client works. on it. Right, but... but you you know something that you set up 30 years ago or whatever like those devices chances are they're not still around right are they i mean are you are you running uh, thunderbird is still around but the Th thunderbird surely has been updated by now thunderbird does oauth it does for pop doesn't and mean that you use it right but but no, right no, it now can. So it can you, use oauth and it isn't I mean, you know, a Microsoft person saying, hey, you should use Thunderbird isn't exactly fairly common, but I'll say it, mm. right? Because, because, you know, if you are on a license that only allows POP and IMAP type connectivity, mm. which is one mm. thing, so, so that could be one reason, Chris. There's actually right. a whole bunch of reasons, okay. I think, yeah, why people still do. They want to use what used to be the kiosk license or the yes. F1 license, whatever, front, right? Frontline F1. Mm. Right, so get the F1 license. So they can use browser or POP or IMAP, an active singer, mm. let's say, right? And so they don't want to use the browser. They want to use a, you know, air quotes, fat client. Hmm. And so they've been using Outlook. I've got customers who have one customer I spoke to, 4,000 installations in retail of Outlook mm. 2003 doing mm -hmm. pop. Mm -hmm. And so, and this is last year. Mm. And so, so for a customer like that, this is pretty impactful. Right, mm. and because the machines they're running them on are ancient too, probably, mm. so they yeah. probably can't use an up-to-date browser. So there's a whole consequence of, of a change like this. And yes. we, you know, my listen, my job is in trying to shut this thing off is not to upset all our customers and give and you know give them all 
lots of work to do, but you know, make sure consultants earn a good living out of helping these customers do it. That's not the goal. The goal is protecting the data and the user accounts from compromise because the other side of what I spend my weeks doing, apart from you know getting people to stop using it, is protecting customers from breach because I see them breached every single day, mm. every single day. And it and some of the biggest customers in the world that I talk to are surprised because I simply point out you've been breached over IMAP and here's the evidence that shows mm. it. And then it's panic. So this, this is why we're shutting off basic auth, right? Mm. Not, not, not just, you know, to make lives hard for everyone. Sure. Basic auth means there's no MFA. There's no second factor. And we are incredibly vulnerable to password spray attacks. And we've mentioned this in previous shows that a password spray attack is as easy to, well, we don't even have to buy it. I could buy a password spray attack for not a lot of money if I wanted to buy a, a semi-commercial tool, but I can go to GitHub and there's at least three repositories the last time I looked that had working code right. and examples to show how to do a password spray attack against a Microsoft workload with um, protocol choosers and switches. Mm -hmm. So the stuff is not difficult to do. No, and I'm... Um... And I'll, let me clarify one thing as well. So basic auth doesn't necessarily mean, or it doesn't mean no MFA, right? So just let's, let's come back to that just for a second, mm. right? Basic auth means my username and password are sent directly to Exchange, encoded by nothing more than base64 every time I want to retrieve some data. Mm. And, and an Exchange uses those creds and proxies those creds to both your own identity provider for authentication or Azure or whatever, and then to Azure AD for things like conditional access. But mm. essentially, your your device is using this basic authentication um, authentication uh, header type of communication mm -hmm. to talk to Exchange. Because you could do OAuth and just provide a username and password. Mm. You don't have to do MFA. Mm. MFA is like, I want to authenticate using OAuth, which is directly done to Azure. I get a token back in Exchange. MFA is an option at that stage, right? Mm -hmm. So, sorry, just a, just it comes up on the blog sometimes because people think like OAuth equals MFA, uh, and yeah, OAuth does not equal MFA. And I'm sure well, it gives you the option of right, of right, doing right, MFA. perfect. Right. So, the password spray thing is fascinating because if you think about how stuff has changed over, you know, the number of many years that some of us mm -hmm. have been working in this industry, right? Where uh, I remember, you know, your login name was not your email address. Mm. So people would log in with a UPN. You remember the old at local, you know, people yes. used to create an active directory and all of that, right? And then and then they'd have an email address. And of course all the users couldn't remember their login names, but they mm. always remembered their email address. And and they were different twenty years ago because the security folks were like, Well, let's keep them separate. So your mm. login name is also secret. But your email address is public. Mm. So then of course Users forgot their login names, so now we just make them all the same. So now your email address is your username. So we've essentially given away half the one of the things mm. to guess. And now all we have to do is password spray to guess your password. Mm. And so, you know, when I when I it's interesting when I, I, I do a lot of calls to some customers at the moment and I look at their data and I look at 
how many times they've seen successful logins, let's just say in IMAP. Take IMAP as a great example. And it's a great example because right now IMAP is being is the target of a lot of these attacks. Because it's enabled everywhere, where I haven't already turned it off or where the customer hasn't done something. And so, you know, in a let's just say over three days, you might see 5,000 successful IMAP logins from these apps or users that are still using it. But then sometimes you see 20,000 uh, account not provisioned errors, meaning um, I couldn't find the username. Hmm. Why the 20,000 attempts to log in using IMAP to a tenant within a username that couldn't be found? Password spray. Hmm. Right? So, and then there's a whole bunch of bad passwords. And you're thinking, well, if these are apps that are using it, if these are, are, are mostly in most of the large companies, people don't use IMAP uh, for their email client protocol, right? Mm -hmm. You know, that would be really strange. So these are applications that they are relying on. They could be Oracle or Jira or something else. Well, those apps don't get the password wrong. How often does your application, you know, yeah. but the number of failed password attempts over IMAP? It's astonishing. So then you, I mean, it, it just screams, somebody is trying a random combination of usernames and passwords to get into your data. And then I'll see, uh, it's uh, interesting too, and I, I was gonna, I think I'll probably, I'm gonna talk about this a little bit about Mac in a few weeks as well, right? Which is that, you know, when you look at login data for a tenant, you spot patterns jump out. So. You know, when I look at it with a customer and there's 5,000 logins for IMAP for this account, you know, these five accounts, they know use IMAP. Maybe they're logging 5,000 times a month because they're, you know, logging in constantly. And then you see a single user account that logs in once in 30 days. How many people or apps do you know log in once in 30 days? Hmm. So, I mean, that just says, so they guess the username and password then. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's anyway. and, and I, you know, and I think the thing here is is that the, you know, apart from the mechanism of how easily done this is, these credential dumps are just everywhere, right? Oh, I think um um I looked at have I been pwned like the day before yesterday and I think he's getting on to almost 12 billion now. 12 billion <laughs> compromised, yeah. you know, sets of credentials in his in his database. Um so, so the, 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 the credentials are available. There's nothing, oftentimes there's no MFA mm. protecting this. Right. And then the obviously password reuse is a massive thing, right? Huge. Folks yeah. are still reusing passwords. And so the breach isn't your company's data. The breach is someone on some cat website using their corporate email and a password that they've also used for work. Yeah. That's yeah. Where, where the problem comes in. So, so, you know, I can, uh, the data would be fascinating to, to, to it, look at. I, 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 it is fascinating to see. And, and also, you know, I feel like when sometimes with some of these customers, I explain what I see and there's both um, uh, disdain or disbelief, mm -hmm. then reality kicks in and then they realize, oh yeah. oh yeah, IMAP isn't actually turned off for everyone. And then they realize that an account's been breached or two or whatever. And, it happens all the time and mm. and so and i can there are some quick solutions i tell them you know like authentication policies in exchange online are a quick dirty way of figuring this out right so mm. if you know there are six accounts using imap and basic auth still because you haven't yet fixed the app 
create an auth policy, set allow basic author IMAP to true, apply it to those six accounts, and then uncheck the box in the admin center or change the default auth policy to false for everyone else. And then you know every other basic auth IMAP request is going to get rejected. Only the six you want can do it. Problem solved. I mean, that's like one of the first things when customers are literally under attack from a basic auth. One of the first things we get them to do. Yeah. So anyway, it's kind of, I, I, it's I fascinating to me. That's worthwhile <laughs> guidance though, right? Because I think again, um, we tend to find, I think that, that the, the tech press jumps on every Microsoft decision um, in, in a way that isn't favorable, right? And I, and mm. I don't, I really don't like the way that a lot, a lot of these things are often are reported. And I think, so there was just in July, there was the um, uh, disabling internet uh, macros or macros from internet based um, sources mm-hmm. in Outlook, right? And then it was, you know, everyone kind of went crazy about the fact mm-hmm. that Microsoft was was doing this, right? I, I don't, I really just, I, I don't like the way that things get spun and it's usually spun for headlines, right? And we, we all know that, but we're, you know, what we're saying here is, yes, there is a change coming, but also we're saying, well, hey, there is, you know, there are ways here that you can try and, um, if you, you know, if you are, um, if you have some, some apps that potentially need to be remediated, obviously the advice right now is please remediate those apps start working on that process and if if this is an old vendor app and the vendor isn't doing the support that they need to be doing obviously non microsoft like get onto the vendor because guaranteed they've got other customers that should be pressurizing them mm. as well and so i i entirely agree right some of these and some of the apps so often when i when i talk to a customer as well it's like you know you do, we go through kind of what all the connections are and there's a lot of IMAP and POP, some fairly common apps there, but there's a lot of EWS-based apps too. Mm. So the question usually goes along, or the conversation goes along like, so is this a third, first-party app, you own the code, you have a developer, or is a third-party app? Mm. Now, if you own the code, right, all of these protocols all support OAuth, you can go and hopefully modify the code. It's fairly trivial, right? If it's a third-party app, then now you need to have a conversation with the software vendor. Do you have a version of the app that supports OAuth? Do I have to upgrade? Um, how much, you know? And so I've been trying to have that conversation with some of the biggest companies a long time ago because, of course, it takes a while to do any of these things. Mm-hmm. To redevelop an app mm-hmm. to change the authentication type sounds simple, but obviously it takes time. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll say one thing that we announced beginning of September because reality is like we know beginning of October, when we start turning off tenants, and we will, to your original point, Nick, oh yeah, we're going to turn a lot of people off. Well, I've already, by the way, turned off millions of tenants. We've turned off basic auth in millions of tenants. And I've turned off individual protocols in millions of tenants more. So, you know, if you only use in your tenant EWS and maybe Outlook, let's say Active Sync and Outlook, I've probably already turned off Pop, IMAP, and PowerShell for you. And you'll know that if you look in the message center. But despite that, clearly there will be some interruption of service for some customers. And so if that's the case, email stops working. This could well be it. Go in the message center, have a look. You'll see a service health dashboard notification. If it just happened, you'll see a message center post either way. And they're both going to give you uh, links to some docs and guidance. And one of the things they're going to point you to is the ability to re-enable. 
you're going to get a one-time opportunity to go and say, uh, I didn't see this coming, or I didn't know this app used basic auth, please re-enable pop or IMAP or active sync or whatever. And that will be good through till the end of the year. Now, if you want to avoid the interruption of service, you can tell us during the month of September that you know you need a bit more time for pop or IMAP or whatever it is. You can go in the admin center. Uh, you can tell us you want to do that. We will get the request. We will not turn that thing off in October. But all of that, you know, there are a bunch of customers who don't read the message center. Mm. A bunch of customers don't read the blog, listen to the podcasts and so on. So, yeah, they're going to be surprised. So, um, it, you know, I've, I've built this option in whereby people can, customers can get one more opportunity to re-enable. But to your point, Chris, you don't just re-enable and then sit and wait for January to come around where mm. we do it all again. Because I swear, in January, when we turn it off, it's off. Mm. So figure out what broke and what you can do about it as quickly as you can. I just, I just actually, as you were saying that the first of October date, um, I'm actually going on a vacation on the first of October, so, <laughs> so I'm not sure if that Smart. is fortuitive, fortuitive, fortuitive <laughs> planning, or if that's just going to be an absolute nightmare. Um, but you know, I've got to have some confidence in in the fact that uh, we've well, we've been working with customers through this process. Yeah, I mean, we've been driving down. I've been, I mean, usage has dropped enormously. I'd love to be able to share numbers, but you know, that's yeah. a bit tricky, right? But mm. I can tell you that the the basic auth usage has dropped significantly over the last few months for a couple of two key reasons. So one is the partnership with Apple, mm. uh, which you, you may have uh, read about. Uh, we've published a blog on that. We've been working with Apple for a few years on a way to automatically migrate devices using basic auth to modern auth. It's mainly aimed at the sort of small, medium business end of things because uh, it won't apply if there are MDM policies or anything on the phone. And so small, medium business don't typically have that kind of stuff, right? So that will hopefully help. And it has already helped migrate a lot of devices. And then the other big thing is um, I've been turning on the Enable Modern Auth flag for Outlook 2013 in a whole bunch of tenants over the last month. Because you know that it's the OAuth 2 client profile enabled flag, right? Mm. Which, which is in... The, in the in the in the admin center, it's the equivalent to going into settings, modern auth, and that there's a checkbox for enable modern auth for Outlook 2013. Well, that checkbox was only set to true by default in August of 2017. So if you had a tenant created before then, it would be false. Mm. And so even if you had an up-to-date version of Outlook, it would not do modern auth unless that box was checked. Mm. So we started checking the box a month ago, and I will, you know, man, it has made quite an impact. And the number of cases of support, the support cases, zero. Interesting. So what's happened is Outlook, because it's up to date, the user's already logged into Teams or OneDrive or something else. The user's already logged into our service. Outlook, after that setting gets changed in the server side on their tenant, Outlook restarts and goes, oh, I can do Modern North now. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Switches, gets a token, logs in, user carries on so over the last month these two things have really helped drive usage down mm. but despite that there will be some people caught out so what you're saying is that you've you've gone from power bi to analyze the stats to just using plain old excel now 
you, uh, I use whatever it takes to try and like, because with the problem this size, you have to sort of pick off like tactical yeah. things. How can I do yeah. this? What can I do here? What can I do there? Right. And so there's been, it's been really interesting to sort of look at the data, apply some experience and knowledge of the product and, and how these things work. You can't just look at the data and make decisions. You have to sort of understand the context of how customers work and what kind of configuration they've got and what might break and then make judgments. And, you know, we've, what's, what's kind of crazy are the numbers, right? So when you sort of think, oh, let's pick a number of customers that we are going to test this theory on, you know, it's 20,000 tenants. And we've done things to 20,000 tenants and there's not been a peep, right? It's like no noise at all. So you think, you know, well, that was a bit of a non-event. So you have to step it up and you end up with some of the numbers are just silly. And you, you, you know, I will tell you that the OAuth 2 flag I've turned on in over half a million tenants. Wow. Are we half allowed to ask you how many tenants there are more or less? You can ask. I'm not going to answer that one. <laughs> oh, it's worth the question. Sure. I, I wanted to, a to, lot. to... Let me just say, a lot. Right? <laughs> we have I wanted a lot. To... Sorry. Go no, you no, no. go ahead. Sorry. No. So uh, we have customers, you know, we talk about uh, basic auth and it's an attack vector and it's a shoulder shrug. And we have some customers outright saying, um, you know, so, so what if someone guesses a, a password? And I think that the general perception, since we, we did state that, you know, you can go to GitHub and you can get some scripts and do this stuff and it's really mm -hmm. easy. They think that it's just, or some of our customers think it's a bunch of teenagers doing stuff and they're bored and it's, no, the threat isn't really that high. But uh, there were a bunch of teenagers that were not so bored and rather profitable in the news a little while ago and um, caused a, a little bit of a... Um, an event with both Microsoft and Okta, if I remember correctly, and that was Lapsus. There mm. was just a bunch of teenagers who, well, I shouldn't say just, there were teenagers who understood what they were doing and they had created a criminal enterprise. And not that I want to ring the, the fear bell out of entertainment value at all. There is a very real criminal element that Microsoft has been very instrumental in, in bringing to not only to justice, but also um, in terms of working with the police in various different countries. But this is a, a very real criminal enterprise that you guys are fighting. For, for sure. And there are, um, uh, there are many examples like, similar to those that you used where you know, there are organized attacks. We are um, uh, very aware of that. We're doing everything we can. I sit through part of the project I'm working on, this whole basic all thing, uh, forms part of a monthly security review that goes on. And I get to hear kind of some of the things that, that we've discovered and uncovered and, and, and what we do to mitigate them. And uh, I work with some really smart people, mm -hmm. right? Who, who you know, we, we employ some really smart people who can think in very creative ways, just like they can, right? It's a game. Mm -hmm. um, to them, it's a game. To us, it's pretty serious. And yeah. so we're doing an awful lot to try and protect our customers' data. It goes back to what I was saying here, mm -hmm. right? Which is mm -hmm. that that's really what the goal here is for us, protecting our customers. It's not our data, it's your data. Yeah, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. But um, 
and and you know back to chris's point as well which is the sort of way it can be you know it's very hard for us too because you know it, microsoft are doing this evil thing by breaking all our email well i mean it, it it's a hard place to be in yeah. sometimes mm. it's a balance for us between mm. trying to help do the right thing here be an mm. industry leader mm. right and do the right thing and raise the bar for security all up for this kind of industry and not interrupt customers and and i you know i'm a customer guy i always have been and i don't like the fact that stuff will break mm. right and i'm aware the customers use email for the most uh fascinating and perhaps inappropriate use mm. cases yes. and those things might stop working and i don't like that i'll mm. tell you one quick story if I, if i may right you know it's it's Please. in talking to a customer and this is the impact of stuff. And, and also this plays into the story of the sort of comments that we get of like, oh, I see you're going to, you know, you've delayed again. Why can't you just mm. turn off basic all for everyone? You know, or, oh, you're giving people a last chance exception. Just turn it off and be done with it. Well, you can only say that if you've got no idea how many people use it and what they use mm. it for. It's a very blasé attitude, right? Mm. Because, you know, I spoke to um, a healthcare hospital a few months ago. And we're looking at their data and like, oh, you've got a whole bunch of iPhones using basic auth. They're using their native mail app on iPhones. You know, what are we going to, you know, we need to do something about that. And they say, oh, that's the transplanting. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, they said, well, they can't use Outlook Mobile. This was the interesting one, just telling you this. So like, well, mm -hmm. they can't use Outlook Mobile because the new email delivery alert isn't loud enough to wake them up. And I was kind of, whoa, 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 hang on a second. Right? Wow. So what they're saying is, when when somebody has died and they need to take an organ out or somebody needs a transplant put in i'm sure mm -hmm. there's probably a more technical medical term for that right <laughs> yes we email them and and they might be asleep and outlook mobile's new email tone isn't loud enough to wake them up so that's why we use the native email client i'm like wow i mean a that's awesome feedback for the outlook team right <laughs> but but b they're using basic auth mm. on their right. And um, so if we just cut off basic auth, that would stop. They would not get email. And I think the consequences are pretty obvious. Mm. And so I talk to customers all the time who are using email for critical services, and, mm. you know, life-saving operations. And so um, we've got to get them away from basic auth because we are going to turn it off. And mm. And, and that's why I go back to why I, I always had in mind there was going to be a one last attempt. Because if you really interrupt service for some of these customers, mm. some really bad stuff's going to go down. Mm. And so, you know, w we need to just be somewhere balanced on the line between the two. Mm. Right? We're, we're a utility. People treat email like a electrical service in the internet, mm. right? If we're not there, it's pretty inconvenient to say the least. Yeah. Anyway, and it, it's it's funny to think though that you know we've all known each other for a very long time, and we've all been in this email thing for a very long time. And to think yeah. back to on-premises exchange days, you would never have considered yourself a utility, right? Because you know you were <laughs> building the platform, and folks were, were collaborating with the platform, um, and you were an enabler, but you weren't necessarily a utility. But now, because of the cloud and all of the wonderful yeah. marvels that the cloud bring, I mean, it it, it brings a responsibility as, as well um but I, I again i feel like 
there's always this narrative about Microsoft doesn't care about its customers. Microsoft has enough money, they don't care about their customers. Mm. That's mm. absolutely, you know, not the case. And if anyone listening to this, you know, hopefully that is very, very clear to, to the audience, that right? That, that we're trying to do, Microsoft is trying to do the right thing, um, you know, for, uh, for customers and for, you know, for everyone. So, um, you know, Greg, before we, we let you go here let's um I, I wanted to just kind of clarify uh real quick if we can the the, the stance on the clients yep. um so obviously 2013 requires some uh some config but will work right 20 anything so i'm talking outlook specifically outlook. Now. yeah yes. outlook for windows 2013 needs the yes. enable our registry key setting yep right everything uh, above that should be doing modern auth by default right and mm. anything below that is is no bueno is Gone. Okay, I think that's very right. well that's, understood from the the documentation that right. is available and, as well. Yeah, and, and interestingly, some customers I, I'll tell you as well. So even though they've got Outlook 2016 or newer, there's two reasons why it still might be doing basic auth. One is the OAuth 2 client profile enable flag, the org wide flag that I talked about. I'm turning on for a whole bunch of customers. Hmm. I'm not touching the big customers, right? Well, not yet. Um, I will be. Yeah, if I turn off basic auth, I'm turning on modern auth for Outlook. Otherwise, Outlook can't mm. connect. Yeah. Um, but also the other one is, I, and I see this sometimes, GPOs have been pushed out to sort of set mm. the enable ADAL key back to zero. And this yeah. actually is a fairly common thing where a few years ago there was some add into Outlook and it didn't work. And, you know, mm. the solution was turn off modern auth and, oh, look, now everything mm. works. And guess what? Then they forget they pushed a GPO to turn off modern auth on a whole bunch of clients and so that the person happens. who built that gpo no longer is there right so so you got to track it down so if you see outlook 2016 which is microsoft office you know 16 right in the user agent string if you see that mm. which could represent any version newer than 2016 in azure ad logs for basic auth mapping mm. then that's probably a gpo or somebody's been finagling around in the registry finagling that's a technical, <laughs> technical term. term. Technical I knew I knew a guy who edited the registry once, and three days later he crashed his car. So let that be a warning for you, right? <laughs> and then, you know, pretty much all the other clients, Active Sync, for the most part, right? Removing the account from the device and adding it back fixes most Active Sync clients, right? Because as long as your phone is relatively up to date, mm. all these apps support OAuth now. Mm. So they're they're the sort of key ones i'd really say and if you're using pop and imap it's either thunderbird browser or stop using pop and imap yep fair enough and then so there is some uh, i think really good documentation um on docs.microsoft.com and i'll put a a link in the show notes here for anyone who isn't quite sure if they're affected yet and wants some information about Mm. how to tell is there any other resources we should be uh, sort of pointing or directing folks to i think uh make sure if you're an admin you're looking in the message center Right. That's mm-hmm. how we communicate change to our customers. There's mm-hmm. been numbers in the message set. We've been sending usage numbers in the message center for months uh, with how many users we see. And the Azure AD signer reports is the right place to go to see who's still using it if they are. Um, there's a bunch of other good public resources. And, and you know, you know, there's a lot of good people who've done short articles about how to reconfigure mm-hmm. this or do that. I think the, the biggest challenge, though, with, with this whole basic all thing is there is no easy button, right? Generally for most, you know, for the larger, the more complex the customer, it's like, 
figure out what we're using, figure out what the impact is, and then what we want to do. Mm. And for some customers, the answer is, you know what, do nothing. Just let it mm. stop mm. and, you know, do use a different client or something. And there aren't many who can do that, particularly at the larger end of things. But, you know, with some small customers, it's just use a different email client, mm. switch to the browser, you know, whatever it might be. Well, thank you, Greg. We know uh, we know you have uh, some other time commitments, so don't want to don't want to keep you too long. But really appreciate you coming on again. Uh, we love having you on. By the way, it's always funny. And Nick sort of alluded always. to the little little old ladies uh, jab <laughs> earlier from from the, the previous episode that we had you. But um, well, it's fun. That... I love yeah, it's good fun. I like chatting with you guys too. Hopefully, Although, the next okay. one we can do in person uh, somewhere in the around the, hey, the world. Thought. Yeah. Well, you know, if, if uh, Ignite was a little bit larger, we would be um, hopefully um, putting a microphone into your hand or a headset on your head and um, asking you technically relevant questions about finagling and um, other things that happened. That would be that would be delightful, um, but I'm not sure it's going to happen this year. But let's hope for a let's hope for a big event next year. Should we do that? Yeah, Sounds let's good. plan on it. If we if we think hard enough collectively, we can make it happen. Everyone, <laughs> thank Greg you. Greg has always been awesome. Thank you for uh, thanks for being on the show. Pleasure. Thank you, hey everyone. Before you go, we just wanted to say thank you for listening. We really enjoy putting this podcast together for you every two weeks. Please visit us at thearchitects.cloud, or alternatively, drop us a tweet. We'd love to hear what you have to say at the Cloud Arc.